Welcome back to Win Championship Repeat Boston Sports Podcast. And on this one, we're going to be looking at the Boston Celtics in sort of an off-season overview and how they've been trying to set themselves up for a big-name free agent and, more importantly, how they can get there using salaries and, you know, potential sign-in trades and just everything going on there and who the biggest target is, which is pretty obvious um, at the moment. So... We're going to look at that. We're going to look at the Nikhil Harry situation and why I think he is um, proving to be a better wide receiver than people are expecting and how potentially Sony Michelle could be released in the cuts uh, in trading camp and then look at some Red Sox stuff um, at the end. All right, let's go from there. So the offseason for Boston started at the playoffs when... Kemba was traded for Al Horford and Moses Brown, and it was the 16th pick going to OKC. Now, Kemba has been released and now signing with the Knicks, so full circle, um, coming back to the Eastern Conference. And so for Kemba, this is a new change of scenery, and obviously the 16th pick was uh, to OKC, but they ended up trading that pick for a future pick. So it was, again, uh, full circle. Um, That pick's gone. OKC traded to Houston for some other picks. And we get now the Celtics, who traded away um, Moses Brown in the Josh Richardson deal. So the only guy left is Al Horford because um, the draft pick got traded. Kemba's gone and Moses Brown is gone. So Horford's our guy who is the only one left from this trade from OKC and Boston side of things. As I said, Moses Brown got moved for Josh Richardson, which is a pretty good situation. Obviously, you know, a good wing. He fits into that trade exception, and so that's a good situation. And then we have uh, the third deal, which was Chris Dunn, a second-round pick, and Bruno Fernando for Tristan Thompson and DeLon Wright, and everything got moved around, and so they were waiting to potentially see another team, fourth or fifth team, join the fold to have a bigger trade, see if there was other stuff that could be kind of involved. Chris Dunn could get rerouted somewhere else. The Celtics ended up instead just keeping things as they are, as did Atlanta and Sacramento, and the Celtics lost out on the Cantor $4.7 million trade exception which expired, but they used the Kemba trade exception, which is like six point something million, and put that into this deal. So the Celtics used a six million dollar trade exception for Bruno Fernando and Chris Dunn, and they got a second round pick, and Tristan Thompson's gone, and they created a nine point seven million dollar trade exception from that. So if we look at the Celtics trade exceptions, at least at the moment, you know, they have First and foremost, the newly created Tristan Thompson trade exception, which is a a big uh, trade exception uh, for them and was uh, something that really worked for them. They have um, a few other trade exceptions here that don't really matter. They have one from Gordon Hayward, which has basically all been used, which was the Josh Richardson and then there's a Jeff Teague trade exception, which I didn't even know existed, but there was it's about $3.7 million, uh, or I should say $370,000, which won't get used. And then there is the um, trade exception 
for Daniel Tice, which uh, is about $5 million, and that is expiring in February. So that's what they have at the moment. The Kemba trade exception's gone, and they, I guess, also created a trade exception from Moses Brown in the Dallas deal, 500000 I don't know um, if that's going to even matter. So it's really just the Daniel Tice one. And so when it got to the offseason after that point, we basically had... Um, you know, basically had a, um, you know, Ennis Cantor signing, and that's about all we got, right? He signed for veteran minimum, like $2.7 million, and I'd like to point out that they had Ennis Cantor, they traded him away, they ended up getting Tristan Thompson, and they ended up trading him away, and they brought back Cantor. So Cantor was a good locker room guy, Al Horford a good locker room guy. These are two players who come in, Al Horford, Ennis Cantor, and they're both great locker room guys. Especially for the young guys, you know, having these presents in the locker room makes a ton of sense. I do like Al Horford and Cantor for that, and I think that's a good thing. But the Celtics basically just let free agency roll through and didn't go after any of the big names or any of the small names or really didn't do anything. And part of that has to do with the fact that most people assume they're going to go after a free agent in 2022 offseason. Now, Brad Stevens, in most of his moves, was trying to kind of erase some of the mistakes that Danny Ainge made as of the most recent. And so it is a situation in which the Celtics were trying to get off of Kemba and get off of these other contracts. And so for uh, the Celtics, you know, the biggest name next year is Bradley Beal. And the reason is most of the other big names are probably staying where they are. Julius Randle, Zach Levine. Kyrie, Kevin Durant, James Harden, Steph Curry, and Carl Anthony Towns is not a free agent, but he is someone that the Celtics would probably have interest in, and a lot of Celtics fans would rather have Carl Anthony Towns than Bradley Beal, which, to be honest, I don't know if I would, but um, he's probably not going to get moved because, A, he's playing with D'Angelo Russell, and things are going uh, well between the two of them, and the offer that... Um, they would want is probably a little bit higher than what Bradley Beal's offer would be just because he's under contract and younger and so if the Celtics got involved they'd have to give up a lot more that they don't have so he's off the table so Bradley Beal could be a free agent and that's the best they got and that's who they're probably going to go with and yes we all know it we've beaten this horse to death Jason Tatum is from St. Louis and Bradley Beal is from St. Louis and they're friends and they've played basketball together and done that, that stuff and you know, they've always wanted to play in the NBA together, and they almost got in Team USA. It just didn't happen. And so for the Boston Celtics, he's the only guy at the moment who's a big name, who's potentially available, and they're going to try and go after him. And so we're going to look at the potential ways to do so. Now, at the moment, the Boston Celtics next season will have about $84 million in guaranteed contracts, which does not include... Romeo Langford, Aaron Nesmith, Grant Williams, Peyton Pritchard, Carson Edwards, and Robert Williams, who has a qualifying offer. The other players mentioned have team offers, and so the Celtics can do as they please. So the only guys on the roster are Jason Tatum, Al Horford, and Jalen Brown. And there's also dead money, Demetrius Jackson, $92.8,000. For some reason, it's there. So... On the Al Horford contract, one of the reasons the Celtics went with this is because only $14.5 million is guaranteed. And if he makes it to the finals, it would be $19.5 million guaranteed. And if he wins a championship, it's fully guaranteed, which 
most likely 14.5 guaranteed, which means about 12 million or so is unguaranteed off the books. 26.5 million total, 14 million guaranteed, 12 million in uh, money that is uh, now going to be uh, moved away. So the Celtics could, in theory, get rid of that money and then make some tough decisions with the young guys and have Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and have enough money for Bradley Beal. That's option number one, just signing him in for agency outright in that sense, which probably is a good move. Now, move number two is very similar to the Kemba situation in which the Celtics would be trading Al Horford away in the full 26-5 and a draft pick, and in this case, not taking back salary or taking back a $1 or $2 million rookie contract, something just to, you know, fill in. Maybe the Celtics trade Horford in a first-round pick for a second-round pick. Something there. Or they could just do it straight up without anything coming back in their own uh, situation. And the Celtics just throwing Al Horford to Toronto, Orlando, OKC, whatever team is willing to take him on with the first-round pick and um, has the money to do so. You could throw in other stuff if you need to, second-round picks, um, Maybe the Celtics have to throw in one of these young guys such as Romeo Langford or Grant Williams or Carson Edwards where maybe the Celtics throw Grant Williams and Carson Edwards and Al Horford in a second round pick at Toronto and hope that they want this or OKC and hope that they want this or another team, Orlando, who has cap space. And then the Celtics would be getting off of the whole 26-5, which means they could sign Tatum uh, they have Tatum, they have Brown, they could sign Bradley Beal, they could re-sign Robert Williams if he doesn't make like $17 million, if he makes like $11, $12 million, and then keep Nesmith and keep Peyton Pritchard and maybe even keep Romeo Langford depending on how much the money uh, would cost. And then you could have Tatum, Jalen Brown, Romeo Langford, Aaron Nesmith, Peyton Pritchard, Bradley Beal, Robert Williams, and then fill your roster with veterans and second round picks uh, and other guys uh, you pick up undrafted free agents whatever you need to do and I think that's an even better move because if the Celtics were willing to get rid of a first round pick this year they're probably willing to do it again in order to get what they want and Brad Stevens seems like he's not 100% sold on his draft choices at least seeing how Aaron Smith and Langford and Grant Williams turned out. It's one of those things where I think Brad Stevens is willing to give up the draft pick to do what is right, and he did it to get you know out of the big Kemba contract, and I think he could do it to get out of the big Al Horford contract. And in theory, you could make this deal at some point during the offseason, and you could have um, that take place, and then whatever team Al Horford is on, they can get rid of, you know, his contract and only guarantee 14-5 or what you could do is go to a team and trade Al Horford at the deadline with a draft pick next year and use a 2022 first round pick with Al Horford and trade for a expiring deal or multiple expiring deals for example trading Al Horford and a first round pick to Orlando for Gary Harris who's a one-year contract and then when his contract's up just getting rid of him completely so that's uh, something they could do to get rid of Horford. But then you would be opening up um, the door to a potential um, Bradley Beal signing um, and then adding in you know, the other pieces as well. Whereas 
if you just said, hey, we're going to kind of get rid of Al Horford, 14 million stays on the books, the rest goes, then you would have a lot less to deal with um, as well. And so I think throughout the season, Celtics are going to figure out their plan. And if Bradley Beal seems like he's attainable, and that's going to come from Tatum giving Brad Stevens some information. Brad Stevens going to Tatum being like, hey, what's the deal with you know Bradley Beal? Is he interested? Does he want to come here? Does he want to be a free agent? And, you know, I think they've wanted to play together for a while. And if, you know, Jason Tatum gives him a nudge, he could be like, hey, I just want to go to Boston. Or he could be like, hey, I'm going to go there in free agency. And then that's, you know, where you go. There is also a chance that the Celtics sign and trade Bradley Beal, which would be very similar to what happened with DeMar DeRozan and some of these other free agents this offseason, Lonzo Ball, etc., where basically you're getting something back in return if you're Washington, and the Celtics would be getting Bradley Beal. So let's say Bradley Beal makes $14 million. The Celtics could trade Al Horford, and they could trade away, you know, for sake of argument, Grant Williams and some draft picks and say, here's what we're doing, and this is what is going to be the outcome. And then it would work for both sides, and then you could re-sign some of your players. Or if Bradley Beal says, hey, I just want to go to Boston, trade me there, then the Celtics could be like, okay, this season, trade away Marcus Smart, who makes $13 million, trade away Al Horford, who makes uh, $27 million. And then you have draft picks and some young guys. And you could do that at the deadline. You could do that tomorrow if he says it. Um, and then you could make that happen. And so you could also trade Josh Richardson, Chris Dunn, some of these other pieces at the deadline. If it gets to the point where Bradley Beal throughout the season says, hey, I'm going to Boston one way or another. So it's up to you what you guys do. So so if Bradley Beal is available in free agency, they could go in that direction. But more likely... Their best outcome would be going out there and trading for Bradley Beal during the season uh, because then you can kind of trade smart, trade Al Horford, and still keep some of these other young guys um, and go from there. And that would basically be twisting Washington's hand because they'd be like, well, we don't want to lose him for nothing. You can take on Al Horford and then we could uh, get rid of his contract in a year and the guaranteed money. 14-5 sticks, the rest is gone. You can get rid of some cap space. And then you could even, in theory, reroute Marcus Smart to a third team and take on someone in draft picks or young players. For example, going to a team like Dallas and trading for, let's say, Dwight Powell, who's not good. But then you also get maybe a draft pick in the future, first-round pick, and someone like a Jalen Brunson. Or you could reroute him to a team like San Antonio and try and do something to get Derek White or try and do something to get DeJounte Murray. And so for the Celtics, it'd make more sense to do a trade, but that might not be an option unless Bradley Beal comes out and specifically says, hey, I'm not going anywhere else, but Boston, trade me to Boston, or don't trade me, I'm leaving. So that is, to me, what could take place um, for the Celtics. And so, you know, when it comes to the money aspect of things, if they get rid of the whole Al Horford contract, which is $26.5 million, they will be at guaranteed money before any of the team options and qualifying before any of that they will be at about oof, 59 uh, million in guaranteed money give or take uh, a little bit so that would mean Bradley Beal's cap hit would be about 40 million because that's just the way it is so you'd have 59 then you'd be at about 99 million 
in guaranteed money just between Tatum, Brown, and Bradley Beal. So 99. Then if you were to get to uh, the next number, which is um, you know adding in uh, someone like Robert Williams, let's say his his number is 11 million. That's 110 million in guaranteed from Tatum, Brown, Bradley Beal, and Robert Williams. And then you basically would be stuck here with the, the, the decision um, with 110 million in guaranteed money. Let's say they keep Peyton Pritchard, which is about two million, and they keep Aaron Nesmith, which is about three, almost four million. So between Peyton Pritchard and uh, Aaron Nesmith, it would be about six million guaranteed, which would be 116 million. And I think the cap hit next year is 119 million before you go over the tax. And then they can just add in veteran contracts, I guess, to fill in the rest. They could, in theory, um, trade away Romeo Langford. Uh, or I guess um, accept his player option and then trade him away for some sort of a cheaper contract uh, and then you could even you know use the trade exception and then the mid-level exception and you know potentially whatever the hard cap is uh, try and stay under the hard cap and be a hard cap team in that case and then worry about the next season when it comes and so you know that's the most likely scenario is probably getting rid of the full Horford contract just because, A, another team could, you know, get rid of Horford and, um, you know, only have 14-5 guaranteed, which they could also stretch and kind of waive that. Um, so it would be like 4 or $5 million, uh, per year um, over a three-year span rather than the whole 14-5 in one year. Um, and then, you know, the Celtics can give other assets, um, like first round pick or some of these young guys and that's probably what they're going to do because you can just also add in other players as well such as Robert Williams and some of these other young guys if um, that's their you know end game and so I think for the Boston Celtics they're in a good situation to do that and I think while this offseason to me wasn't that good you know they didn't make bunch of moves that are like free agency moves that'll move the needle they could be a better team I mean Al Horford's great on defense Josh Richardson is great on defense Chris Dunn is a more defensive point guard and if he stays healthy could be a great backup you might not be the greatest offensive team but they are a team that in theory with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart and Josh Richardson and Al Horford could be a pretty formidable team that might not do the greatest in the regular season, but could be a good playoff team, you know, if they got good lockdown defensive, you know, situations. If you have Marcus Smart at the point guard, Josh Richardson at the shooting guard, Jalen Brown at the small forward, Tatum at the power forward, Al Horford at the center, um, that's a pretty good starting five. Most likely, you know, you'd probably put Williams at the starting center position and Al Horford off the bench, but if that's the case, then you have Chris Dunn as your backup point guard, and you have either Peyton Pritchard or Romeo Langford as your sort of uh, backup shooting guard, and then Nesmith at the small forward, Grant Williams at the power forward, and Al Horford at the center. And so there is that. And so the one thing I did not mention yet, which will have to be discussed right now, is Marcus Smart. Now, Marcus Smart has been the longest tenured Celtic. He's been there since uh, he was drafted um, and is someone who has been a fan favorite throughout most of his um, NBA tenure in Boston. 
And so it's going to be a tough pill to swallow for a lot of fans to, you know, have Marcus Smart gone. But if we have to go after someone like a Bradley Beal, we have to make the choice and Marcus Smart has to go. And yes, there are people who want to resign Marcus Smart to a big deal. And then there are people like myself who feel like if we go after Bradley Beal, Marcus Smart doesn't matter and we should go after the superstar because you're not going to win with Marcus Smart and a bunch of role players. You're going to win with superstars, as the league has shown us. The Lakers this offseason basically added in a bunch of great role players because they're a good team. They got LeBron and AD, and they're very, very happy. And so if Itame Udoka has a good season as a head coach and is well-respected and people like him, and you bring in Bradley Beal with Tatum and Brown, free agents, specifically veteran free agents, to fill the back end of the Boston Celtics roster, will want to come to Boston rather than go somewhere else because the Celtics have what it takes and have all the checked boxes, right? They got young guys, they got a big three, they got a good head coach, they got a good general manager and player basketball operations. Um, So if those boxes can get checked, then you're looking at a situation where Tatum, Brown, and Bradley Beal can get you to be a top five team in the East. And if you have a bunch of role players, between Robert Williams and Nesmith and Peyton Pritchard and then a bunch of, you know, veterans, then you have the workings of a very, very good team. And more importantly, you have the workings of a championship team, which we saw with Golden State and we saw with the Lakers and Milwaukee and all these other teams. And so, you know, Marcus Smart is probably going to have to get traded because you're not going to just let him walk for nothing. And so I think Peyton Pritchard is a good point guard, but not the point guard of the future. I think he's going to maybe be a backup long term. And so maybe the Celtics trade Marcus Smart for another point guard, you know, someone who's on a one-year contract. Maybe the Celtics trade him for a draft pick. I could see Boston potentially trading, you know, Marcus Smart for Jalen Brunson in a future first-round pick to the Dallas Mavericks. I could see, you know, potentially the Boston Celtics trading him to a team like Indiana and maybe trying to do something at the deadline and potentially adding in a Jeremy Lamb, TJ McConnell first round draft pick situation and making something happen there. I could potentially see if you look at some of these other teams, maybe he goes to to Charlotte and if you look at what Charlotte has to offer, they could try and make something happen with maybe a Miles Bridges or a P.J. Washington, potentially. I don't know if they would actually want to get involved, but we could see Marcus Smart going there. We could, in theory, see uh, Marcus Smart going uh, to a team out there in the Western Conference who has, um, you know, a chance to make a difference, potentially, let's say, Patrick Beverly, and then maybe something like uh, a Terrence Mann, who had a pretty decent season last year and maybe some second round picks if that's what he's worth I don't know if he is or we could see him potentially going to the Grizzlies and maybe you know you see um, some sort of a Kyle Anderson led trade where maybe the Celtics add in Kyle Anderson and they add in Brandon Clark and maybe they also add in a first round pick from Utah which is in 2022 if that's where they want to go Um, Or we could see him potentially going to the Pelicans, who may or may not have uh, what it takes. But we could easily see, um, you know, a Pelicans deal in which they trade for uh, a draft pick or two in Thomas Sedaronski, who makes $10 and he's a one-year deal. 
So the Celtics could go in that direction. Um, or uh, they could potentially trade him to Portland. And they could do something in uh, Robert Covington-led trade. And have Robert Covington traded for Marcus Smart. And then whatever else needs to get involved to make the deal work. Or they could do uh, some sort of Arfany Simmons, uh, Derek Jones Jr. trade. So... I think Marcus Smart has to go just because you want to get something out of him rather than nothing. And that's kind of what I see taking place. So the Celtics will have a lot to think about. And I think they're going in the direction to get a free agent. Bradley Beal is the most likely because he's the only real big name available that's going to potentially move hands. So that's that. Now for the Boston Red Sox, they are in second place. They've been on a losing streak. Things haven't been going their way. They're going to be getting Kyle Schwarber back at some point. And then he is going to be a big part of their their lineup. They're in first place in the AL wild card spot, and they are, as I said, second place to Tampa Bay. So I expect big things out of them uh, coming up into the stretch. I think when Chris Sale comes back healthy, you know you'll have a good lineup of pitchers and relievers and bats in the lineup and outfielders and you know infielders and whatnot. And so I think the Red Sox will figure it out and eventually get better, and it could go and a much better direction hopefully by the end of the season and so now we're in august we're getting closer and closer to the playoffs so this is the home stretch for baseball then let's go to the patriots and first week of training camp it looks like the keel harry actually looks pretty good keel harry looks like someone who could be sticking around at first it was like maybe we'll get rid of him maybe he doesn't want to be here i think he actually said he really wasn't uh looking to stay here and then it looks like change of scenery, change of heart, and things seem to be going in a totally different direction. And, um, you know, this is potentially where uh, things end up. And I wouldn't be surprised if he is there uh, next year. If he can have a good season, then we look, uh, it looks good. So, to me, there is a chance that he sticks around long term. And I think, you know, he is someone who really could be a great presence for this team. And so there's that. Now, we also have Sony Michelle, which is the biggest issue. So we have uh, Damian Harris, we have James White, we have J.J. Taylor, we have Ramondre Stevenson, we have Brandon Bolden, and we have Sony Michelle. There are six running backs here. My guess is four of these guys are going to make it. And one of those is going to be Brandon Bolden because he is special teams and special teams alone. And the Patriots like having him, and things are kind of working good with um, with him. So there's that. Then when you look at the other guys, I expect James White and Damian Harris to be um, the other guys on the roster um, as well. So basically, there are going to most likely be maybe one or two spots left over for J.J. Uh, Taylor, Ramondre Stevenson, and Sony Michelle. And so do I think Michelle is a lock? No, I don't. Do I think Sony Michelle can make the team? I do. Do I think he could get traded beforehand? I think he could. If you look at um, different teams out there, I'm pretty sure the Los Angeles Los Angeles Rams just lost out on their running back. So maybe you think about trading uh, someone like Sony Michelle to the Rams and get like a fifth round pick back in return, or something that you know you'd be interested in just to get rid of the roster spot. I don't think it's a lock that we're going to see Sony Michelle in a Patriots uniform next year. And if I was New England, I would consider 
just because he's a first-round pick doesn't mean you have to keep him. I would consider getting rid of Sonny Michelle for the greater picture because I do think between, I think, J.J. Taylor and Ramondre Stevenson and, um, you know, if they keep those two guys around, plus you have James White, plus you have um, Damian Harris, there's four running backs just in that group alone who give you sort of different things. You have the bigger body, who is Ramondre Stevenson, you have sort of the um, James White, who's more of a wide receiver type running back. You have uh, Damian Harris, who's more of a traditional running back. And then you have sort of J.J. Taylor, who's more for assurance if there's injuries. And so Brandon Bolden would be sort of your special teams guy, and he would take a roster spot for that. That's your team. And I don't know if Sonny Michelle, to me, makes a ton of sense sticking around uh, long term. So I would expect him to either get traded or released if it's not going to work out. Now we have some other news involving the kicking position. So Nick Foles has been sitting out for some injury stuff, so he's missed a lot of training camp so far. And we've been seeing a lot of reps from the rookie undrafted Michigan, Quinn Norton. So I think if Quinn Norton can actually prove himself, he could easily be the starting kicker because Nick Foles is old. He's got a lot going on and he might not stick around long term. And if Quinn Norton is the kicker for the Patriots, he's the right choice, right? And so if he has a good preseason, then that's where you go. So I would expect most of the training camp preseason to be Quinn Norton doing everything, kicking and, you know, all of, you know, the normal Nick Foles stuff. I don't think Nick Foles is really going to play a lot. One, because he gets hurt sometimes. And two, and more importantly, you know what you get out of uh, Nick Foles. You don't know what Quinn Norton is. And so playing him throughout is what you need because I think Nick Foles is your, your guy right now. But if Quinn Norton can do good, he could take over as your kicker. And so you want to get the most out of Quinn Norton and see, okay, is he worth it? Is he not? Because Nick Foles is not someone that teams are clamoring over. So if he gets released, it's not that difficult to just see how things go and then potentially bring him back because... He's probably not going to go somewhere else just because he's older and doesn't have the greatest health. And he's not someone you'd want to have on your team if you got already a bunch of kickers. So if the Patriots find out, hey, Quinn Norton's our guy, he's looking good, then that's where we go. And that's kind of what we uh, go with. And that's where they end up. So I expect Quinn Norton to be a big piece, potentially, if he can have a good a good year. And he can jo join uh, Jake Bailey and Joe Zarnota as... Uh, the, uh, you know, two uh, special teams, kicker, punt returner, long snapper for the Patriots. So um, that is that. 